Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, macabre manor of mead, metal, and mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James, reporting to you from the Galactic Reaches as I try to fix the ever-expanding wonderful guide. Wait, sorry. Bam, 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 bam. Uh-huh. That, that holy, fantastic, and never... <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to blame... I'm bleem? I'm going to bleem. <clears throat> I'm going to blame all of this on the Pangalactic Gargle Blaster I'm currently drinking. Really? Well, kind of. Douglas Adams insists that you can't truly make one of those in Earth's atmosphere, so the best thing to do is to go to your nearest liquor store, buy everything, triple distill it, and hope you have friends after. Um, but in my case, uh, I, I thought Malort would actually be the closest thing we could get. There you go. So I, I had one shot of Malort. Uh, as we're preparing, I'm uh, having the second shot of Malort. Oh, yeah, now. Whew. Right. And I'll have another one later. But I'm also chasing them with Trooper. Nice. Yeah, I thought, well, they start off in a pub drinking bitter. What, True. What, what do I have in the fridge? Look, look, look I, have, I have bitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am, um, I, I mean, I, I could I could get Malort, but that would mean we'd have to pause for a second, and I don't really want to do that. Yeah, yeah maybe during the break, because yeah. I, I am literally pouring the last of my bottle, and it's just under a full shot, and that's uh, it. So, I, I, I've got... I've got more than that left. <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite sad. <laughs> um, I I am having a Devil's Harvest breakfast IPA. Oh, is it for breakfast or does it have those like coffee oatmeal flavors that they um, for breakfast? Yeah, I'm not really tasting those. <laughs> <laughs> um. We've we've had one breakfast out. What about second breakfast out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's an IPA. It's not really a stout. Oh shit! You said IPA. I Damn did it. say IPA. That's why I was trying to figure out where you were going. All right. But it but it but it's you know it's bitter. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, I've never, um, never had a breakfast IPA. I've had a dozen breakfast outs. That's where that's where that came. Yeah. From. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Southern Prohibition Brewing out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> it's got a picture of um it's not really a baphomet it's a <laughs> it's it's a guy uh in a hawaiian t-shirt with a goat skull mask neat <laughs> and, and a chainsaw <laughs> wow that's almost like a baphomet mary lewid <laughs> yeah <laughs> the the hills have eyes <laughs> yeah it's 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 actually kind of cool <laughs> well, i like a scan and the beer's not bad so but your drink is a little more appropriate to what we're talking about <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good <laughs> yeah but yes for this time uh, <laughs> this is the 42nd anniversary of that Holy remarkable book, although radio program, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. It first came out on BBC in March 78. Mm -hmm. So we're, uh, we're actually going to do one or two or three episodes um, on this. Wonderful thanks for Douglas Adams' magnificent thing. Yeah. Okay, we can do a, you know, five-part trilogy. <laughs> 
<laughs> so my notes are actually just a bunch of snapshots of uh, the books I've been reading and prep for this. So eventually we'll get to that, but it's along the lines of him saying after the second book, I'm not doing another book. My ancestors will be turned over in the graves after the third book. All right. I did the third one, but I'm not doing another book. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that soon, but yeah. <laughs> what was it? Uh, the third book, they, they finally used the word trilogy because he, he didn't want to do, you know, he didn't want to do a trilogy. <laughs> I had something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then he wound up writing five and... <laughs> Uh, actually, my, my I just finished reading the first book. So as a heads up, we're probably going to focus on the first book. Yeah. Uh, which will be the first book, um, the first the primary phase radio show, which actually, uh-huh. uh, you know, yeah, um, has bits of the second book. So there, there might be overlap. Yeah. Uh, movie, the TV show, video game, like all the stuff, but but focusing on what happens in the first primary phase. Yes. We don't know how many episodes this will be. Right. Uh, but we, we kind of thought we'd do background and how yeah. it happened and, and the neat stuff about it. And then we'd also talk about our own personal things and, and how we came to it and what we liked and didn't like as much. And uh, we, we may have some friends who don't mind being interviewed for this. Uh, we already have one, Sam. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what order these will come out in. You may already know this. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe the interview one will be a special like midweek episode in between these, you know, depending on what we want to do. Okay. That sounds oh, yeah. good. Jody and I haven't talked about it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. He's just, <laughs> hey, the 42nd anniversary is coming up. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I I, uh, I didn't even think about it. Like I knew it was kind of, you know, something in there. The local Doctor Who store, one of the biggest North American Doctor Who stores in, in North America. <laughs> Mr. President, under redundant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're they're having a 42nd anniversary for hitchhikers and i'm like wait what and i looked it up on that and that's what I yeah and i i told all my gaming friends who live nearby the uh the doctor who store and said hey i'm going if anybody wants to go and one of them asked more specifically what it is and i said it is the local doctor who store putting on a party for the 42nd anniversary of the hitchhikers guide to the galaxy and, and somebody responded that is one of the most geeky things i've ever read sadly did not even mean it <laughs> okay well are you ready uh yeah all right i was going to start with douglas going to cambridge Uh uh-huh because he specifically wanted to join the footlights which intersects with the monty python episode because half of those members were in the oh wait sorry the monty python episode i'm currently working on (laughs) (laughs) yeah we mentioned monty python in the 60s we didn't really mention where they all came from I just have notes written up. Shit. <laughs> so you'll see in an upcoming Monty Python episode <laughs> that half of them were in the Cambridge Footlights. <clears throat> yes. 74, they were doing a show. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of upset because during this time, they were letting people be actors or writers or producers. And he wanted to both act and write. Yeah. And so he kind of got upset, a little irritated. But 74, he's trying to do all this. And because of that and what's happening, he ended up with two of his friends, a Will Adams, no relation, and Martin Smith did their own little trio thing and would go around and do things. And they did so well that Footlights wanted them to actually perform it and everything. Except by perform, they mean one of them got to perform, Douglas and one of the others did not. 
Because <laughs> that's what they did. Yeah. But I do mention Martin Smith, one of the trio, because you will read when Arthur meets Zaphod for the first time, Ford goes, it's not bloody Martin Smith from Croydon. That's the Martin Smith. <laughs> uh, so he didn't just pull that name out of the air. Then. That's he, funny. He That's, did not. Yeah, because I just, that was, yeah, yesterday I was listening to the first four phase or first four episodes of the primary phase. And that's, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But you also then got to the part where uh, he's read poetry by the Vogons, right? Oh, yeah. In the radio show, the first one, it actually says the worst poetry was by Paul Neal Johnson. Yes. And if you read any, read it or watch the movies or anything, they change it to Nancy Millstone Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Because they do, because that's what that well that that's what I was I was thinking when I was listening to it yesterday. For some reason, I thought, well, that's not the name I remember. <laughs> no, and, but I, but I didn't have I I couldn't think of the other name. But I was thinking it was a woman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I made the note when I was reading it, but. <laughs> Paul Johnson's one of his ex-schoolmates who wrote horrible, horrible poetry. And when he oh. put that in there, he complained. So Douglas changed it and all the others. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But but it's still canon. It's it's still canon. That is right. It It is still canon. And we'll get probably get to that later. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I'm assuming that'll be when we start talking about things we like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Adams actually said that he wrote the most appalling stuff about dead swans in stagnant pools. <laughs> <laughs> as they're doing the footlights things he and his trio and everything and then they kind of moved on and i'm i'm going to really put this quickly you know because I, I could do this a lot more but later as they're doing their little thing uh, they did the performance and some former footlights alum came to watch and among them was this six foot three inch tall doctor chap who was not practicing medicine anymore but was instead one-sixth of Monty Python, Graham Chapman. Oh. Yeah, this was uh, between the third Python season and the fourth. Uh, the third came out late 72 to early 73, and then season four didn't start till late 74 to, to late 74. Late 74 to late 74? Yeah, uh, it was a very short season because John Cleese had left, and they were doing their own thing. Oh, yeah. So premiered Halloween night, 74, and last episode was December 5th, 74. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, that's short. So, I think, yeah, six episodes, I think it said. And interestingly enough, because I'll mention it probably in Monty Python, but in season four, Douglas Adams is actually in two skits in Monty Python. Oh, wow. Did not know that. Yep. Awesome. I, I, I could talk about which ones he were, he were, the parts he was, the parts yeah. he were. Is this one of those weird future time subjective <clears throat> tenses? Sorry. I you know as I don't as long as it as long as it doesn't cause some alien race to invade the earth I don't know <laughs> that's okay I've got or a small dog in the other room <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was having a coughing fit last night uh, that could have been it <laughs> oh that's funny yeah. I mean you know it's, in in the context it's funny <laughs> uh, but anyway Chapman liked Adams's work invited him to work together. Uh, for the most part, though, they would go to the pub and drink. <laughs> <laughs> how how very British. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and, and I say that because I'm thinking back to, I don't know, Deep Purple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we sat around the villa and drank all the wine. <laughs> you you were supposed to be recording an album. Though <laughs> <laughs> there'll be more of Graham Chapman and drinking and <laughs> and, and Monty Python, but yeah, I, I guess at this time Chapman had a room that was just gin, <laughs> <laughs> which which could go a long way because he loved gin and tonics. Could go a long way into where Adams used gin and tonic. Uh, yes, he did. That was uh, what was uh, near the end of the primary phase. Yeah, I think the last episode he mentions yeah. uh, they him and Ford, uh, him um, Arthur and Ford were having uh, some gin and tonics with the with the captain of that ship. Yeah, uh, and uh, they I don't think they go much into detail in the radio, but in the book they actually talk about. Um, although that is in the second book. Yeah, but it's part of the primary phase. But that every planet tends to just come up with some drink called gin and tonics, even if it's spelled different and has different things. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things that they did work out, and it was aired on BBC, but only once late at night, you know, didn't work. But they did a sketch show that starred Graham Chapman and Simon Jones, who is Arthur Dent on the radio and BBC TV versions. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, that was, yeah, I recognize that name. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you just listen to several episodes, so they always say his name at the end. <laughs> yeah. He, he was wild, demoralized, and very broke. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, went to a classified ad, got a job as a bodyguard to an oil-rich Arabian family, and, and there's kind of a humorous thing there if you read Noel Gaiman's book. But I mention it because in one of the, and we'll talk about this soon a little bit more, but one of the sketches that Douglas had envisioned for Hitchhikers was mm -hmm. he and Ford being bodyguards. Huh. So he's, you know, just a little bit of where he's taking his own personal life and, and doing that. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Huh. I just had to go a bit further. Douglas is doing things like writing with Graham Chapman, an absolutely bizarre experience as they used to get phenomenally drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Graham had a room in his house entirely devoted to gin. It just had gin bottles. That line the walls, and occasionally, when I this is somebody else, when I was working, I'd go up there on lunchtime, they'd have a few gins before lunch, then they'd go to the pub, do all the crosswords in every paper, then get roaring drunk, and usually Graham would take his willy out and put it on the bar. <laughs> 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 one, one of the things I wish that would have worked well, they uh -huh. talked about uh, doing a sketch where some aggressive aliens got a hold of Guinness Book of World Records, they come down mm -hmm. and challenge everybody to wrestling and boxing and uh, stamping on people's knuckles. <laughs> and, the, and the United Nations, where John Cleese was going to play the general secretary, <laughs> they, they agreed to compete, but they wanted silly events like gherkin swallowing and walking backwards and things like that so they could win. <laughs> <sighs> and, of course, also seeing the sketch on how the world was created by fluffy kittens and bow ties singing raindrops keep falling on my head would, would have been fantastic to see also. <laughs> but anyway, about this time, you know, because Douglas is meeting people, you know, people from the footlights in Cambridge, and he's, he's starting to get some things out there, and Graham Chapman is working with him, and he started to know people who worked at BBC. So he did go in and have a meeting. Yeah. And this is about the time where... Because, you know, I said 74 a little while ago, mm -hmm. uh, but we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit now to 1977. Uh-huh. Or should we jump back? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to jump forward, and then we'll jump back. I'm going to do the time okay. travel, 
like Doctor Who. Wouldn't that be Time Warp? That'd be Rocky Horror. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? <laughs> so, the initial idea was... Uh, so, he goes and has a meeting, and he's trying to do some pitches, and the guy goes, and we're going to give some names of some of these people here, because I think they deserve some recognition. But, sure. but I can wait a minute. Okay. And uh, they're, they're like, well, why don't we do something sci-fi? And Douglas is like, Oh, hell yeah, I've been wanting to do sci-fi forever, but nobody seems to want it. The, the yeah. initial idea was to do a series of six shows, each of which would deal with the destruction of the Earth for a completely different reason. Yeah, yeah, so, every episode, the Earth was destroyed. Yeah, and it's just going to be called The Ends of the Earth. Yeah. But while he is messing around with the story, uh, he, he kind of wanted to give the perspective of somebody on Earth who's an alien to know what's going on. And here's where I'm going to jump back. Going yeah. to back from 1977 to 1971. Ooh, that's wow. That's even farther back. Yeah, I know. That's I, that's like forever ago. Yeah. Picture Douglas Adams hitchhiking across Europe, and oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and with him is a copy of a book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe. Mm -hmm. And he's broke, so he's he, he can't afford even a hostel. So he's laying out in a field new near Innsbruck, Austria, looking up at the stars. And he's thinking to myself, huh, why don't they have a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he kind of forgot about it. But then he's coming up with this other idea, and he's got the alien. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that thing. Let's make him a researcher for the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. And thus was Ford Prefect born. I thought he was – no, that would have been where, not when. Right, right. <laughs> small planet in the vicinity of Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, where his name actually means his father died of shame because he couldn't pronounce his own name. And <laughs> <no>. <laughs> actually, he couldn't pronounce the Praxel Beetlejuicean version of his name, so his nickname from all the kids. So yeah, so the three-page outline had the first time the Earth yeah. blows up with, with the Vogons and everything, and Arthur was first going to be called Alaric B because he wanted people to think he was an alien and then be sort of shocked that he's an Earthman. <laughs> but then they just called him Arthur. <laughs> Dent Arthur Dent. As in the late Dent Arthur Dent? Yeah. <laughs> kind of threat, you see. <laughs> so I'm going to give a few names simply because these guys are kick-ass. Yes. The producers were Simon Brett, who really, really helped get this put through. Uh, he's, he deserves a lot of it. He was one of the BBC people who really pushed it through. Uh, he was the producer for the pilot. And then Jeffrey Perkins was a producer for episodes two through six in primary phase, which mm -hmm. wasn't called primary phase yet until after more had come out, but that's okay. Right. I have a picture here. <laughs> that's why I can't <laughs> read it. My, it says too many names. Look at the picture. Okay. They, they actually tried to get around and find out how to do things for the audio. And some of the audio things are just fantastic. It, it won awards for audio. Yeah. Uh, but there's a is, is BBC Radiophonic Workshop. And the big ones, the, the biggest is Patty Kingsland, but then there's uh, Dick Mills and Harry Parker and, and all sorts. I mean, uh, Alec Hale Monroe, Anne Ling, uh, Paul Hodden, Lisa Braun, Colin Duff, Eric Young, Martha Knight, Max Alcock, and John Whitehall. And, you know, they don't get a lot of recognition. So, yeah, there you go. All right. I, I, will, I will say I, I've, I've always had a problem listening to it when they – some of the effects they put on the voices with the accents that – kind of garbles it even more and it's even harder for me to understand 
Yeah, I get that as Americans. That yeah, yeah, it's already hard enough sometimes, but yeah, I but I you know I mean it was 1978. That was the technology they had. I you know otherwise I love it. Uh, I, I, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and for 78, I guess it's great. They talked about eight track recorders, and they didn't really have what they needed to to do it. So they'd have to keep yeah. taking bits of tape and and splicing, and, and they didn't have. They had the BBC's audio files, but that's not mm -hmm. what they needed. So they had to figure out how to make the effects themselves sound like they want. Yeah, yeah, because I, uh, you know, as far as you know, like sound effects and everything, it sounded great. I'm I'm sure if I was more used to those accents. Yeah, say English, for example. Yeah, well, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are the BBC, the yeah. fucking fucking Yanks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 you know. <laughs> Going to go and give some of the main actors real quick. Okay. Then, then we don't have to keep referring to them. Mentioned Simon Jones. Jones. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking pangalactic gargle blaster. Mentioned <laughs> Simon Jones as Arthur Dent. Peter Jones is the narrator of the book. <laughs> Jeffrey McGiven, Ford Prefect. Stephen Moore is Marvin. Mark Wing Davy is Zaphod. Susan Shrannon is Sh Susan Sheridan is Trillion. <laughs> uh -huh. Who also, interestingly enough, was Princess Alini in the Black Cauldron Disney cartoon. Really? Yeah. Cool. So that's kind of one of my rare cartoon weird movies that everybody pans, but I still kind of like and think it's good. I've still actually never seen it, but I actually am going to. I will jump forward back to 77 and mention that it was approved for the making of the pilot on March 1st. And by April 4th, Douglas had finished the first script. Pretty much the same as everything in now, but they have some parallel universal speeches by Ford, which was one of Adams's first ways of explaining why he was taking Arthur with him. He's like, well, there are parallel universes, so there's going to be another Earth, so I'm going to get you there and, and stuff, huh. which, which is neat because that sort of idea is used later on. And yes, it, it's kind of neat. And we'll talk more about what our favorites are, but that whole why does Arthur take Ford with him, I, I likes it. There, there are so many different reasons in canon that are all different from each other. <laughs> right, so after Douglas had gotten the first one, he got the pilot all done and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's still taking a bit of time for BBC to sign on and have all of it. So in the meantime, he started working on Doctor Who. Oh. Which, which could be its own episode that we won't get much into now, partially because some of the things will come up later in other hitchhikers if we decide to do episodes on all the other hitchhiker stuff besides the main like the first bits yeah it's it's interesting because and by interesting i mean it drove him nuts because he started working on doctor who mm -hmm. and on the last day of august 1977 bbc said sure we'll commission the six episodes and huh. as that happened doctor who came in and said yeah let's have you work on some scripts <laughs> <laughs> so, he's busting his ass and, and he had four scripts done but then he had to get the fifth and sixth, and that is where Lloyd, last name Lloyd, not first name Lloyd, comes in. Because if you're yeah. listening, they'll say written by Douglas Adams, except for episodes five and six of the first season, the primary phase, and they'll say written by Douglas Adams and John Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, he, got, he got a bit of help. Evidently, John also had some like sci-fi things laying around, so they worked together and put it together, and if you listen to the primary phase, you'll see that the black ship they get on after the restaurant at the end of the universe is a battle uh -huh. fleet. 
Yeah. And, and then, and then later it ends up being, uh, what is it? Hot Black Dacioto, the famous rock musician. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, but it changes to the rock star. Uh, that's because what happens is when they're doing the book, mm-hmm. they actually had gotten together and then this is still all the same thing. It was so successful that there's a bit of a bidding war and, but they went with pan in the UK uh, mm-hmm. for books. But after they started to celebrate, Douglas gets a hold of John the next day and says, I, I've decided to do it all myself. And it doesn't really go into why. John, of course, got upset, but they worked it out. He kept yeah. half the uh, advance. And he, he actually went on to do some great things with not the 9 o'clock news and Black Adder and oh, wow, yeah. different things. So he, he still did well. Douglas even says he didn't handle it as well as he would have liked, but they right. still were friends. Not a big deal. But yeah, so they got BBC. They did all six, worked it out. Uh, the, I mentioned that Jeffrey Perkins was the producer of the two through six. Uh, mm-hmm. Evidently, he's the most junior in the department, so that's how he got the job. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure they thought it was going to do much, but uh, uh, the guy did a great job. Everybody's Doug oh, yeah. happy with it. Yeah. Uh, but to give you an idea of what's going on, as Douglas was trying to do the Doctor Who and the Hitchhikers and everything else, uh, he's staying at his mom's for six months eating peanut butter sandwiches and having baths. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he, would, he would leave notes around, such as, if you ever get the chance to do a normal, proper, regular job, take it. This is not an occupation for a healthy, growing lad. <laughs> and, and then there's a note under that that says, this is not written after a bad day. This is written after an average day. <laughs> <laughs> you know though i can i i didn't know that he had worked on doctor who i can kind of see how some of the doctor who stuff may have seeped into the, especially those last two episodes oh the yeah the doctor who stuff will really seep in in uh, the third book uh, it, well okay it's not a spoiler yeah, everybody can look this up it actually comes from a script he put in and they didn't use and then they're gonna maybe do a movie but they didn't but it's called Doctor Who and the Cricket Men. And it's pretty much the same actual storyline of the book, third book. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, well, I was going to say, okay, so, so something else about the radio show. Um, and this isn't necessarily, you know, with them being British. This is just me. <laughs> but um, I, I did at times, uh, as I've listened to, gone back and listened to Primary Phase, I did at times have trouble distinguishing between the voice actors for Arthur and Ford. Cause sometimes they'd get in a conversation and they'd just be going back and forth and I'd lose who was who. And that, I, I think that was more just the sound of their voices and their accents being close enough to, it, <laughs> to me, it, it just, I'd, I'd get kind of confused. Zaphod's was distinct enough. <laughs> obviously Trillian. Trillian yeah. Marvin's yeah, trillions is yeah, Marvin's is pretty distinct yeah <laughs> although although um who was it was it Alan Rickman that did his voice in the movie yeah yeah and see I even listening to the to the BBC radio I still hear Alan Rickman <laughs> in that voice I just yeah <laughs> I think both of them did a, a good job and I, I guess I oh yeah problem differentiating mostly because I read the book so many times before I saw or listened to it. So I kind of knew whose lines were whose, but there right. are things like uh, Douglas or Douglas, <laughs> Arthur 
Uh huh. So in the radio dramatization, it was uh -huh. Arthur who convinced uh, Prosser to relax and lay down in front of the bulldozer, not Ford. Huh. So yeah, just kind of neat little things like that. There are some differences. Cool. And and, uh, and they're I, all I, canon. They are. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes, you're, you're going to hear say that a lot, especially in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I guess one of the reasons Jeffrey Perkins, uh, just to, uh -huh. to go back to that real quick, uh, was really yeah. good. It's because after a while, he kicked Douglas out of the, <laughs> the booth because they'd record everything and they get all excited. They put it together. And just as they finished the scene, Douglas Adams would come in and goes, I've been thinking, we should go back and do it again. Because I think we should have something going in the background. <laughs> no. You know, sometimes sometimes you just don't want to overdo it. That's, that's right. Yeah. And one of the neat things about Perkins, do you know the, mm -hmm. the antagonists of the first book are the mice? Yes. Started as gerbils. But uh, really? he changed them to mice because Douglas's ex-girlfriend kept gerbils. <laughs> oh. Uh, Oh, gracious. Yep, I have many more notes about what Douglas is doing there, but I think we've covered it. Uh, not for that, for like that little bit. Okay. Ah, yes. I'm ready to move on to the book if you are. But do you have other things for the radio show first? Not really. All right. Uh, so Mansion Pan picked it up in UK. They, they, got a, they, they had multiple cover ideas. You want to know who did the final cover for the first release? Uh, sure. We've mentioned them in rock music episodes. Hypnosis. Hypnosis. <laughs> wow. Yeah, did Hypnosis did the, the final one. Yeah, Ian Wright, working for Hypnosis, did that. And they, they had some blurbs because they wanted people to say how great it was. Uh, uh -huh. So he has some of the Monty Python people to do some. And, and uh, Tom Baker is the doctor, the, the one everybody thinks about from the old era, where, you know, like Sheldon even copies them with the scarf and the hat and stuff. Yeah. So uh, most of the blurbs weren't used, but Terry Jones from Monty Python had, had some really good ones. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have to read these. The funniest okay. book I have ever read today. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sounds like Terry Jones. Every word is a gem. It's only the order they're put in that worries me. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was, um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you after you're okay. done. Space Age comedy for everyone, except for, insert the name of man who writes worse poetry than Vogons, whose name I can't remember, Terry Jones. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, probably the funniest book in the universe, Terry Jones, asterisk, asterisk, dictated by D. Adams. <laughs> uh, one of the funniest books ever to have quoted what I said about it on the cover. <laughs> So those are great. Nice. Yeah, they, they did end up using uh, in press releases one from John Cleese that just is really entertaining and fun. Yeah. And one from Tom Baker, Doctor Who. It changed my whole life. It's literally out of this world. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I would, what I was going to say was um, in uh, episode six of the primary phase, when they when they find themselves on the B arc and they get. Uh, Olga Frencham? Yeah. Yeah. And they get. Uh, I guess they get caught by uh, number two. Well, yeah. And if, if you're listening to the radio show, yes, number two. Yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah, and that's that, that's just it because I was listening to it, and the the guy doing the voice for number two, 
when he was doing the voice for number two, he sounded like, it sounded like Terry Gilliam doing a voice. <laughs> uh, Terry Gilliam, of course, being from Monty Python. So when you said Terry Jones did all those quotes, <laughs> that reminded me of Terry Gilliam, uh, or it reminded me of the guy doing the, the, the voice on, on that episode sounding like Terry Gilliam. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess they get people they really wanted to do voices, and sometimes Douglas wouldn't have the part written yet, so they'd be like, well, here, do this one. <laughs> yeah, if you hear somebody doing a, a, a voice actor doing three or four parts, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so do you want to know, well, you, everybody's going to know these, but do you want to take a guess as to why it helped? Like, what two things came out that helped BBC pick this up and get interest in the book? Star Wars. May 1977. Uh-huh. And want to take a guess at the other big one? It wasn't Star Trek. Nope. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you'll know when I say it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Which, oh, duh. Yeah, it came out in November <laughs> 77. So, yeah. And, and yeah. It just came out in spring of 78. But that's when it got greenlit was the time of all Star Wars and Close Encounters and stuff when they're working on it. Yeah, that. okay. Man, and you know what? I love Close Encounters. That was one of the first movies I bought on Blu-ray. It is not one that pops into my head when you talk about <laughs> stuff like that influencing what people were doing. <laughs> anyway, uh, besides, those are like the interesting things about how the book came about and what they did yeah. and, and stuff. Um, and of course, you know, we'll, we'll talk about maybe a bit of overlap with the second book too here in a minute. Uh, yeah. But do you have anything else with that? Except, of course, when we're going to talk about what we actually like the best is. Um, no, not that I can think of. In that case, I'll do a brief snippet because the next media of this is theater. Theater. Really? Yeah, there have been multiple, multiple ones. Uh, there was one done uh, May 79, presented by Kim Campbell Science Fiction Theater Company of Liverpool. This one's neat because they actually had the seats like on ledges and platforms that was on top of compressed air. So it was just, it would hover just above the floor and stagehands would actually move it around and stuff. Oh, well, that's funny. Yeah. They, they sold pangalactic gargle blasters. It's just that it was very small because they couldn't do huge ones of that. Um, uh -huh. So sold out too quickly and people kind of got upset, but everybody said it was really good cool i would yeah I'd, I'd be interested in seeing that um i, I was gonna ask uh, uh do you want to describe the and i think we have in another episode but do you want to describe the pan galactic cargo blaster i thought we'd do that when we get to what we actually liked oh okay okay but we could i don't care do you want no, to? Was, we can save it we can save it just i was just making sure you were going to oh yeah well, i actually have i have questions for you oh okay <laughs> I know you're excited. <laughs> and, you, and you can ask me the same questions if you want, or others, or not at all. Okay. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, next one was in Wales, the Welsh Theatre Company Theatre to Clude, with director uh -huh. Jonathan Peterbridge, who uh, everybody said this one was fracking fantastic as well. In fact, they came back later and is still played every once in a while in, in different countries and places. Mm -hmm. And evidently, there's a third one by Kit Campbell at the Rainbow Theater in London. And they actually wanted to, to kind of make this a huge performance. They actually took a big blow up whale and threw it into the Thames as a promotion stunt. 
which pissed off the police. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Douglas actually wrote additional material for this one. I just like the dish of the day sequence at Millie Ways that you see in the TV adaptation and stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and evidently, oh, oh they, they thought it was uh, going to be the first show since Rocky Horror to appeal directly to young people. Huh. And it sucked. Everybody right. said it sucked. It was horrible and just sucked. And, and yet, it's canon. It's canon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so the TV show that we've mentioned. Yes, that I've still not watched. Yes, the one that Jody has also, not watched. I keep forgetting. Yeah, I keep forgetting to see if that's on um, Netflix or Amazon Prime. So, you know, I mean, before I actually order the Blu-ray, like I'm it's, still going to anyway, it's, whether it's, I watch it or not. But, okay. Yeah, I need to sit down and watch that. And and if, if you'd given me a little more heads up that we were going to be working on the anniversary of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I would have watched it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> we could have done this later. That's okay. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. That's all right. Uh, so yeah, the the TV adaptation came out in 81. I mean, we could do a lot of notes, but this will be more fun just to talk about in a second. But I did want to mention a few things. Uh-huh. So it came out in 81. They were still trying to translate it to the screen. And all those audio things that really worked well in the radio show weren't necessarily working. Right. One of the things that got them to sound like they're walking through a spaceship, uh-huh. they, they got beer kegs from the BBC club. And as they'd walk... They would smack the beer keg so we get that <laughs> burn, 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 when they're walking. <laughs> Ships. Oh, that's funny. And uh, I wish they would have done this. This is great. After they push the improbability drive once, uh huh. There's going to be a goat that just suddenly appears. Nobody calls attention to it. Nobody pays. Like it's just always like it's always been there. They're going to put a goat with the skill model of the Eiffel Tower strapped to its head, just just standing there. It'd just be there the rest of the time. <laughs> which which would have totally made sense. <laughs> yep. And everybody just, yeah, so good. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I think the only big thing about the TV series, until we talk about things we really like, uh-huh. if you look at the wardrobe, you'll see that Mark Wing Davies, Zaphod Beeblebrox, has two trouser flies, one zipped and one buttoned. So I, I, I feel bad. I don't have her name written down, but the wardrobe person, her last name is D. So I can tell you that, uh, but she, uh, she set that up. And as Mark Wing Davy explained, I said, you've seen McJagger in those tight trousers, make me a pair. So I had these nine inch tubes down the front of the trousers for filming. When we got into the studio, Oh, first name, first name's D. D came up to me and said she was worried about these things. <laughs> I thought, thought they might be a bit obvious. <laughs> I've cut them down to six inches. <laughs> Which, which, which is would have been funny the other way. I know it's like that'd be more like Spinal Tap. Yeah, <laughs> and the foil-covered cucumber. <laughs> uh, but if if you watch if you've watched the movie, you know the 2005 yes. feature movie, Arthur when he's talking yes. to Trillian, he's like, "Did he have two of anything else?" Well, canon. Yes, because <laughs> he has yes. two, two flies. <laughs> uh-huh. Would you like to know what Douglas Adams thought of American audiences? Sure. Because you're going to like it. Because I know what I think of some. 
Oh, no, you'll like this. Uh, then I agree with him. It's not so much American audiences that he hates. It's the American marketers. <laughs> it's uh, So people were surprised that uh, something British like Hitchhikers took off in America, but not Douglas Adams. So one is told at every level of the entertainment industry that the American audience does not like or understand English humor. We're are told that at every level except that of the audience who, as far as I can see, love it. So everybody else, the people whose job it is to tell you what the audience is like. But the people I meet here in the U.S., the fans, very much the same type of people. In fact, most commonly heard plea from American audiences is, don't let them Americanize it. We get all sorts of pabulum over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just stop if, if american producers would stop dumbing things down <laughs> yeah i found my quote from earlier the one oh, okay. where you talked about uh, not wanting to do another one yeah after i wrote the second hitchhiker's book i swore on the souls of my ancestors that i would not write a third having written a third i can swear on the souls of my souls of my ancestors there will not be another and so on to i utterly intend not to write another sequel ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And do you know the final? Not the final, final. There are two. Ha, huh, never mind. Two. There are two. Spanish Inquisition. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> do you know the next media version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Uh, let's see. We've done radio. We've done book. We've done BST television. Theater. Television. See, and I, like I said, I didn't know about the theater one, so the next one I would know of would be the movie. But I'm assuming there's something in between. The video game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. that earlier. Yeah, the Infocom tech is kind of like Zork text. Yeah. It's a text video game, but it's I played it way back in the day. Sucked because I didn't have all the cheat codes, and it's a hard-ass game, and I had other things going on. Yeah. But I just played it again recently. And I found the cheat thing so I could walk through it all. <laughs> but, nice. And some people insist that it's not canon. But I say bullshit because Douglas Adams had a part and worked on it. And he was part of the story person. So Then it huh. should be canon. That is correct. That would be my thinking. Because that was my understanding. Uh, so I, I guess we should just go ahead and say this. Every iteration of this story that came out, Douglas Adams considered canon. And and that actually plays into the whole multiverse thing, like what you were saying earlier about uh, one of the one of the concepts being that you know Ford knew that there were uh, parallel dimensions, parallel universes, so that there were other Earths that he could take Arthur back to, since Arthur's Earth had been destroyed, and that was I, that, that's my understanding is that's why Douglas Adams considered every iteration to be canon because that worked into the the parallel universe theory which i love <laughs> i think that's just fucking brilliant you yeah. know and actually i think so if you have read that so this is jumping ahead a, a lot if you've read yeah. the fifth book the ending of it is kind of depressing um, yes douglas adams was kind of depressed at the time he wrote it oh but well, that, that explains it <laughs> it does but when they did the radio show for it they they actually use the multiverse thing to sort of give it a happier ending and yeah i've actually never listened to the fifth series or the sixth maybe the fourth but uh, i've i've listened to the i've listened all the way up through the fifth one i have not listened to the sixth one do you, do you want a good quote on the video game from douglas sure. adams that will actually fit in quite well with our music stuff too yeah douglas adams explained when interviewed about interactive literature which is what the text zorky 
hitchhikers gaming thing is called was okay. anyway back yeah. in the day yeah you can't compare il interactive literature with literature if you do you can very easily make a fool of yourself when leo fender first invented an electric guitar one could have said but to what extent is this real music to which the answer says all right we're not gonna play beethoven on it but at least let's see what we can do yeah what matters is whether it's interesting and exciting which is also a very Jimmy Pages yes. type of. <laughs> yeah, it is. I would, yeah, I'd definitely have to agree with him on that. Yeah, so, and, and it's neat. It's interesting. It's fun. It does not follow the book. So if you want to pick it up as a non-book reader, you'll have fun. If you follow the book and you want it to be the book, you're not going to have fun. Right. But if you're like us, who are good with divergences. Yeah. It's fun. But yeah, that is it, except for the 2005 movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't have much on that except that he was happy to get it picked up. He did most yeah. of the script. Uh, yes. Except they did get somebody else to help after Douglas passed away, sadly. Yeah, because he he died during filming. Still kills me and, when and, at the very end it shows in memory of Douglas with his face. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, as a heart of gold as it as they as they activate the improbability drive. Yeah. And it goes, it goes, it, it, it goes through all these different things. And the, the, was it the last one or the next to last one was his face. I, and, and that's, that's what I was going to say. That was my introduction to it was the movie. I mean, I, you had talked about it a lot. And so I, I knew a few things, but I had not read it. I had not listened to the BBC radio production at that point. And seeing the movie was my introduction to it. And I loved that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll I'll get on my soapbox in the next episode because I also like it when a lot of people don't. But yeah, I will say that Douglas Adams had a lot to do with it, did a lot of the scripts yes. and the changes that were made were more for pacing, which sadly did actually take out some of the jokes, which is the it one did, thing I it, don't like. Yeah, it, it did. And I, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get another movie. And I think that's largely because Douglas died. Yeah, but um, we are maybe getting was, uh, Netflix a, or Hulu. One of those. Yeah, yeah. We're doing it. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that one turns out. But so I I uh, so so are we talking about the movie now, or are we going to do that in the next episode? Thought we do that in the next episode because okay. this one I thought would be here's how it happened, here's how we started, these are the things it was, and then the next one we can talk about what we like. <laughs> okay. okay. That yeah, that's good? yeah, that sounds great. And mostly because this is already probably an hour long. Yes. I, I think I'm good until we get to the fun part where we really get into it. Yeah. All right, then. We'll let you go, and we will soon be back with more Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Until then, I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Zaglabor Astergard, Hutermanshin Babarar. Are you there? I couldn't hear you if you're there. Hello. 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 Ah, come on, you bastards. Start charging. <laughs> Charge! <laughs> <laughs> of course, then somebody else had to be like, well, I've said geekier things, and it's not a yeah. nerd dick measuring contest. <laughs> I completely forgot the, the whole quote. Son of a bitch. It was pertinent and funny, and I'm going to leave it at that. Legless, hey, how you doing? Aragorn, eh, nice ship.
Do you know? Oh, 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 wait. Uh, did, 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 uh, speaking of James Brown celebrity hot tub. <laughs> Get out! Hot! <laughs> did, you, did you see Eddie Murphy's return to Saturday Night Live? I did. I watched all of the videos you posted on Facebook, actually. Yay! <laughs> those, those were great. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was fantastic. <laughs> anyway, I just want to give a little context to the jump back, kiss myself thing. <laughs> Rocky, Janet, Brad, Dr. Scott. Wait, yeah. Do we only say tangent drink if we stop the tangent later after the tangent? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I just made a tangent anyway, so I'm still drinking. I'm probably going to take this out because it makes it sound dumb. <laughs> okay. No, just go. <laughs> like we needed help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is an actual medical condition, too. <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about it if you want. <laughs> uh, nope. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to take and a drink when and, you said that. Uh, okay, okay. You're going to have to do some trimming. So, yes, I will do some trimming. And okay. once I'm done with my landscape, I'll work on the episode. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so you're welcome, but I'm not doing your manscaping. <laughs> uh, you ain't getting anywhere near it. <laughs> So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you all but oh You may not share our intellect Which might explain your disrespect For all the natural wonders and